Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sober by Design podcast. Tonight, we have Sean Robinson. Sean's an author who is um, just starting out his journey in recovery, I think. Um, And we wanted to get his story tonight. So welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, I'm excited to uh, to talk about uh, my journey and where I've gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as always, I kind of like to get a little backstory of your life. Uh, you had given me some information, but I, I would love to hear a little bit about where your life started, you know, your childhood growing up and kind of just, you know, how you got to the age of 18 and, and uh, right around there. And we'll take it from that part. All right. Uh, well, I'm I'm the oldest of three boys. I have two younger brothers. My parents, uh, you know, they were married when they were 20, 21. And uh, I was born within the year and a bit. So they were quite young. Um, it's pretty common in their generation, but today's standards, probably not so much. But because they were, you know, young, they had a young lifestyle. There was Lots of you know parties at my my at parents' house. There was weekend functions galore. Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. It was uh, there was an abundance of that lifestyle around me, and and I, I didn't feel at the time like it was out of the norm. Um, I was never you know drinking, and when I was a child, but you know you get used to seeing certain things. You get used to you know the way they're constantly going to the fridge or when you're a kid, you're helping out. You want to help out your parents. I, I did that. And I think by the time I was eight years old, maybe nine, maybe seven, uh, I could mix a perfect Ryan Coke. Um, my brothers followed suit after me, you know, if we were helping out, it was, the, you know, quite the mixture of ice and, and such. So, you know, we learned, we learned how to play the game. Uh, I feel I learned how to play the game at a pretty young age. Um, the abundance around definitely, um, it was like it, it taught me how I was to behave when I got older, when it was my turn. So um, there was definitely some of those things I carried with me through childhood into my teens when it became a little more acceptable for me to have my first drink. And um, I think it was quite a bit of a turning, you know, of uh, time for, for me to have my first beer with my dad as he would have his. And there was there was celebration to it there was a lot of positivities around you know drinking alcohol and having it in my life even you know at that point so when i was you know 15 16 i kind of got into a bit and through in ontario it's 19's legal age and um you know i was you call the seasoned pro by the time i i was legal and felt like i had the lifestyle that that i was brought up um around me you know the abundance in the fridge always stock in case somebody comes over my my dad's a mechanic and 
there was oftentimes he would do work for, for people and he wouldn't take money from them. And, oh, don't worry about it. Just buy me a case or a bottle or whatever. And it's fine. And then, you know, oftentimes those people would end up, they'd be in the garage visiting and they'd finish most of what they brought over. And, you know, there was a lot of responsibility there. Nobody got hurt and drove away. They were very good that way, but it definitely through a lot of those events uh, set me up to, to feel like I had a pretty good understanding of how I was supposed to carry myself with drinking. Right. Yeah. And Canada is a younger drinking age in the U S and um, just so, I mean, I, I'm sure that some people might've heard, but you're from Canada, Ontario. So there was going to be a little bit of uh, different, just sort of terminology, but, and you're the second week in a row, my second uh, Canadian guest. So two weeks in a row, guest from Canada. Um, and I know I have at least one other scheduled in the next couple months. Um, so your parents were young. Um, my, my mom was young when she had me as well. And my dad um, was a little older than her. But yeah, that partying lifestyle of, you know, being brought up around 20 somethings can really have an impact on people. Um, for you, it seemed that you kind of saw it and said, okay, this is the way it's supposed to go. For me, I kind of pushed it away until I was about 18. I was like, I'm never going this way. Um, mm -hmm. and then it hit. Um, so when you hit 18 or, and then 19, which is like legal age, where were you headed in life? Did you have a, like a full blown plan? Like, were you going to university? Did you... Which direction did you go um, at that point in life? Yeah, so when I turned, when I left high school, um, right about 18, uh, I was not really sure. My dad, mechanic, I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, I was just getting on the fire, volunteer fire department as I turned 19. And um, my rule, the rule that my parents was, you know, you can't just do nothing. So I went to school, uh, college for policing, law and security. Um, I eventually it was not what I wanted to do, but I was on that path. Um, so as I got older, you know, I, I went to the bars with my friends because we were all doing that small town, about 50,000 people, 60,000 people. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, um, you know, subconsciously almost copying what I knew to be true from the way I seen it growing up. I was going out to the bars with my friends and, you know, I knew a lot of people. So it was like, that was the benchmark for me that I would continue to chase as I got older, you know, the you're younger, you can handle more, but like the, the searching for that buzz or getting to that state when I was at that age and knew everybody and, you know, you had your pre drinks and your after parties and everything else. It was like, the, for the rest of my life until I got to a point I decided to make a change. I was still looking for that feeling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, college definitely sets you up for that. If if you're prone to it, it is kind of a a boiler room for, for drinking. And that's when I started drinking as well. Um, I started drinking my freshman year at college. And, you know, I kind of pushed it off, pushed it off. And then, like you said, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event at college like it is just straight yeah. through right um and then that kind of just ballooned from there for me at least um i remember you know it wasn't just thursday it was you know wednesday night it was tuesday night i lived in a house with a bunch of guys and you know we'd have any excuse to just drink and hang out and it just really 
you know, it kind of hampered my first couple of years of college. Um, luckily, I was able to sort of wind it back and finish. But, um, you know, I probably could have done better had I not been in that world. Um, but it took me, I think, a little over five years to finish, um, which was good for the amount of nonsense that was going on. Um, so you said you were in policing, you know, going for policing law. And then you did you stop that course because that's not where you wanted to go? No, I've always been um, very goal oriented. I've always been someone and this is something my parents did, you know, instill in me is, is finishing things. Um, so even though I kind of learned I didn't want to continue with the law and security bit, I still finished the program. I worked at a young offenders facility. I did um, some uh, corrections type type work with that environment and some security work. So it was, it was enough for me that I didn't want to do it. And the longer I was on the fire department volunteer, that was kind of where I felt I wanted to be. And I started taking a lot of courses and developing that way. Um, kind of at the same time, because I didn't want to go back to school and pay a bunch of money. I thought, how can I do this the cheapest way possible without having to go and take a firefighter program or anything else? So already being on a volunteer department and already working through a, basically an apprenticeship style program for certification to be a firefighter, I and my dad being a mechanic, I thought, what kind of what trade can I get into that would help me get that job later? So that's where I decided I wanted to be an electrician. Okay. So it was kind of the the push that brought me into the construction world that I would soon learn a lot more about how expected I was to to continue drinking and basically a whole different habit and routine around it. Yeah. I uh I probably didn't tell you in any of our correspondence, but I work in the design and construction industry as well. So I've been around the trades, job sites, and I understand sort of the uh, the nature of the industry, right? I mean, there's a couple, I think, uh, things that go on in the industry. One is there's a lot of drinking. Two, there's a lot of mental health issues in, in the industry as well. Um, mm-hmm. And they are starting to be talked about, but I think for a long time it was just kind of as you said, like expected, right? I mean, and that goes from the trades levels kind of all the way up through, you know, um, the after hour parties that were thrown or any of the events, it's always kind of revolves around alcohol. Um, I know I got, when I got sober, I had a good friend who was an electrician and he got sober around the same time. Um, but again, it's just, it's constant, um, you know, alcohol in that industry, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's other industries that are similar, but, um, you know, and I think you have a specific take on the whole, sort of the whole atmosphere, right. In in that world. So, um, if you wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just to back up a little bit. So with kind of where I was getting to with my college time and part-time jobs, I worked, you know, some restaurants, I worked at the movie theater and and the hours that I would work were evenings. So we would be finished at like 11 o'clock and there's really nothing, 11 or 12, there's nothing to do on a, you mentioned Monday, Tuesday nights. There was, I I was the same thing. What do you do on a Monday night after you close the restaurant at midnight and you don't want to go home and go to bed or whatever, right? You hang out somewhere drinking bars, whatever. So on top of that, I also worked seasonal at a liquor store. 
So with my upbringing and the feeling I had to have a abundance around me in case a party broke out, you know, what about the liquor store and all these new colorful summer things? You get keychains and stuff with them, like all the incentive to to try it. I, I, I had an abundance all the time. It was like, I mean, I didn't lose money working there, but it definitely didn't help. Mm-hmm. So once I started working construction, like uh, you get into an environment where, you know, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of toxic masculinity. Um, there's an expectation that you're going to carry yourself a certain way or you don't fit in, you don't belong. Um, you're, you're essentially proving yourself not only in your work ethic, but in like how you handle yourself and whether the people like you and what better environment for that is to go for drinks with the boys after. So um, I know I'm responsible for my own, you know, drinking and that's, that's, it's just tough. You get in those environments and you're expected to play along and, you know, you decide you don't want to drink what kind of abuse and, you know, has uh, hazing and are you going to get from, from the people around you? Oh, what do you mean? You're uh, like, you can drink. I just have one. And like the social element of it is like, I had a lot of good times, but uh-huh. you know, it never occurred to me that I could just decide to not do that. It was just to not have that drink or to not have that weekend. Like everybody else where I come in and we're all just sharing our, drunken and hungover stories like it was a big uh you know battle over the weekend yeah i think it's hard you know early in your career one right if you're younger and you're just starting out it it feels like you have to be part of that to move up like you just don't know better right and one because you know you want to be part of the group and two you just assume that that's the thing that's going to kind of propel you through that that thing and and you know, until you have a bit of confidence about you in your seat, you know, you, you kind of play along with whatever's going on. I mean, I've seen it in, again, in the construction industry, I've seen it in the finance industry, you see it in marketing, you see it in all these industries where the younger people just have to kind of play along with that. And I think it is really, you know, again, because they just don't know better that they can say, no, I don't want to do this. I just, I'm here to work you know, and give yeah. you, give you my best. And my best mm-hmm. is when I'm not drinking. And, um, you know, it's, but it's a hard thing that comes with time, confidence. And, you know, I've seen young people, you know, I shouldn't say I haven't seen young people do it because I have, but it, they seem to be a little bit more confident. And, um, I know for me early in my career, I was a little unsure, you know, I was always like imposter syndrome, like how to get here. I shouldn't be here. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, going out was always part of the gig. Um, And to your point, you know, being able to share the story of like the weekend and what did you do? And, you know, kind of knowing what's going on in that, you know, world of drinking became became important, important almost. And it was weird. Um, And looking Mm. back, I'm like, you know, it, it kind of bothers me. But, you know, obviously I'm out of it now. I just wish maybe I hadn't partaking in that part of my professional career you know yeah there's there's definitely um a benefit to hindsight in the matter right like in the moment i didn't feel like i had an issue i I felt like i like like anybody i was looking for that inclusion i was happy to be part of the group and you know you're working a lot of overtime possibly you've got some disposable income to go out or if you're working on the road what else do you do you Mm -hmm. go out and you know go out to have drinks after work and then like I didn't feel like I had a problem at the time. And 
um, you know, we can get to, to my book in sure. a bit, but basically the habitual portion of it was so huge. It was, it, we did it that way because that's what we were used to doing. That was just how it was, you know, the weekends or after work or in my social life, it was, um, it was just what I was used to doing because uh, I was barbecuing or because it was after work or I was camping. Like it was just one of those things that was an absolute um, in so many things that I was used to doing. Right. And it's the people that you're hanging out with too are doing the same thing. So it doesn't yeah. seem out of place, right? Until you step out of it, you, you're not understanding like, oh, this is not normal, right? Because it, it is yeah. your, it's your normal at that point in your life. Um, you know, if, if that's what you're doing, you surround yourself with people that are doing the same thing normally, you know, you're not, yeah. you're not hanging out with people who are maybe, you know, going on good hikes or, you know, going to the gym all the time or, you know, you know, volunteering, like you're, you're finding other yeah. people who want to go to the bar and want to just spend the day out on the deck drinking. So. Yeah. And, and in that environment, you like, I found you're, so not only are you going to be you know, this, the same or similar as the people you spend your time with. But, and even with the, up my upbringing, like I wasn't exposed to wanting to be a hiker or to reading a lot of books or self-development or, you know, carrying myself differently. Like I was used to that. This is just who you are. This is the type of person you are. Mm-hmm. A couple three years ago, before I started this journey, I would have argued up and down, like, this is just who I am. Like I would have said, this is, this I, I, I've been given at this point in my life, 36 or 37 at the time, um, all the tools I need to be who I'm going to be. And this is the way it is. I can't change. Yeah. And that was just the way I thought it was to be true because of my influences and the way that I was taught. Right. And, no, I mean, you know what you know at that point, right? And, yeah. and again, what you're exposed to, the people you're around, you kind of take on that um, persona sometimes I would say and again if that's what you saw grow- growing up um, that's what you know um, and you don't see it as completely strange um, you don't see it as bad and it, it you know it can be fine again I I think I've said it on here like we still have parties at my house where people drink I am not you know like I just I'm not a teetotaler yeah. for everybody else it's for me so I'll go out and I'll buy alcohol for people to drink still which some people in sobriety might think is strange but like it's mm-hmm. not for me to say who can do what you know for me it doesn't work right for me drinking yeah. is, doesn't put my best person out there um, but like my wife yeah. can still drink you know I still have friends that drink I just can't it's not yeah. it doesn't put me into the world in a good spot and, and I feel the same way for myself. Like um, my wife, when we were, um, so my, I have three kids, they're seven, nine, and my youngest is, she's two and a half. Um, so like she didn't drink for quite a, quite a long time because, you know, pregnancy and breastfeeding and, you know, different anxieties about not being able to, to be mother to her children. So she would only have one or two and, and the, the, the unfortunate part with that was that was almost permission for me to, when we went to functions, always just do my thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and my issue was, and this was something I learned when I was very young, but you know, to pack that perfect cooler, lots of ice and full, if I, if I was only bringing a six pack, like 
I had a, an attitude instilled in me at one point that it, it was unacceptable to just buy a six pack. You know, you're going in there. Why well, you're just going to buy six. Right. So I, I, I would pack this cooler with, you know, as many as it would hold. And we'd go to this function and it would almost be my mission to just keep going. You know, I'm chasing that version of me at 19 and I'm going to go through as many of these and as fast as I can. Cause you know, my adult responsibilities made us you know, an hour or two later than I'd like it to have been at this thing. So I'm going to drink faster to catch up. Sure. But then I, I wouldn't turn it off. So, so my issue was that pace was, you know, the same or faster through the night and, you know, behind my wife's back, she'd be ready to go babysitter. We got to get back. And it'd be like, uh, try to do what I could to sneak, you know, one or two, three more before we actually had to go. And, you know, that definitely didn't create a, a happy environment at home. Right. Like right. that was anytime we went to a function, that, that was just the expectation and almost a fight before we even got there because don't do what you did last time. Yeah. So there was definitely some stuff you know, um, it lingering around me that should have told me to try and, and limit or eliminate sooner than I did. Um, when I, when we, I got to a point, like my weight has always kind of been up and down. I've always been aware of it, but never, um, successfully stuck to any kind of program. So COVID come along and only made that worse right i know this is this is common for a lot of people but when we're not allowed to go anywhere but there's lots of liquor stores and beer stores open you know my my routine and habits of of drinking went up Mm -hmm. like even the fire department volunteer which i'm still on it's almost 20 years but like we would still respond to calls but they just they stopped training right they didn't want anybody together any longer than they had to so there was a lot more time at home and I just drank more. We had Zoom parties and different things, social distance visits in the driveway. And it was it was worse for me. So, you know, ending 2020, I found myself 320 pounds, uh, terrible drinking routine. Um, it was it was just the, the, the least proud I've ever been of where I was at, both physically and mentally. Right. Yeah. So that's, you know a bad spot. I know a lot of people really got sucked in during COVID, right? It went a couple ways for people. Either they, you know, dove headfirst into drinking or they dove headfirst into work or working out, right? It seemed to be whatever they chose, they really went that direction. Yeah. Um, it was a tricky time. I, it, it, I have, I work in a organization locally and I think we saw, you know, maybe less people seeking help during that time too, right? Because mm-hmm. you couldn't. So, you know, coming out of COVID, you saw people really saying, okay, how can I change life? And it sounds like maybe that's what happened for you. So COVID, the lockdowns end, you're at your worst point. What what made that change happen? Like you went from saying like, I kind of know I have a problem to like, I have a problem and you made a change. So what was that moment for you? So there was, there was times in that, you know, early 2020 COVID period where, you know, we would have like my son's birthday party. He was, he's now all turning 10. So he would have been, you know, six, seven. We're outside having an outdoors party and there's, there's, we're drinking, we're at home. Kids are, you know, playing with their friends or cousins and, you know, I'm drinking and we're having a campfire and then like we go to play games and I'm passing out at the table. Mm. And 
you know, along with, you know, drinking the abundance, we're not going out. So I'm at home. I've got all this stuff in the fridge because the liquor store is open. Um, Just feeling miserable. I was getting to a point, it was January and I was going to just try, I was 320 pounds. I was just going to do something to be healthier. I wasn't even thinking in that moment that I had this drinking problem. I was just thinking that what can I do to be healthier and lose some of this weight and dry January, I decided I'm, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to mm-hmm. take a break from drinking. I'm not happy with where my habits or routines are with it anyways. So um, I'm going to take the, the, the month of January off. So um, coming to that realization, you know, in the background, along with the toxic masculinity and like my construction firefighter, tough guy environment, my dad being a mechanic, like my whole life, I, I was carried in this like, you need to be a man and toughen up and Mm -hmm. just, you know, you don't ask for help and you fix it yourself. And, and I've never been the type to reach out because that vulnerability and that, that exposure was the biggest weakness. As far as I was concerned, I couldn't show that because men don't do that. And that's where my mind was at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, coming to this point where I was feeling awful about myself and not sure like I started journaling at the end of 2020 and this was never something that, that like I didn't even tell my wife about it at first because coming from this harsh construction environment, coming from my own like family environment where you just need to toughen up and not talk about it. What kind of abuse was I going to get for having a diary or a journal? Mm-hmm. Like that was not something that the people around me were doing. And, and, and then along the same context, you know, to, to admit that you've got something you're working on was almost as bad, right? We're not talking about self-development and, and betterment and, and these things at that time, like in the construction trailer or on the fire department or within my family. So I was very much in a, like, fix it yourself or you're not going to get there mentality. And um, before we go on, like, obviously you can't live in that space. Like you, you definitely don't need to stay in that environment. Uh, where you have to fix it yourself. There's way too many people and resources available. Yes, there are a ton of resources. So, you know, again, I tried myself a couple of times to do it, to get sober and like just through sheer will. And, you know, I thought I could do a lot of things on my own. Um, it had very little to do with, for me, it had li- a little to do with like telling people I was going to do something for me. It was just like, I, I can do things on my own, right? Like I felt like I've done so much in my life. I can stop drinking on my own and I would try Mm -hmm. and I would fail. And just like you, it got to a point where it was too much, right? Like it was affecting family life. You know, I was passing out at, I passed out on my wife's birthday party. That's when I got sober. Like that was the moment, you know, I, I think I passed out at like four in the afternoon at her birthday party. And that's, the next day I woke up and that was the last, <clears throat> that was the last time I ever drank. But I only got sober when I went and, and sat in AA meetings and talked with people and got help from other people. You know, prior to that, I was going to therapy and I think that's what sort of put the seed in my head. Um, mm-hmm. And ever since then, I have been an advocate for anybody to go to therapy or go to groups or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do. But one thing I'll say is like, you can't do it on your own to your point. Like you figured that out a little bit, right? It's like, if you try to do it inside of yourself, it becomes really hard. It's a small world, you know? Yeah. 
So. And and to not to fast forward because we'll get there, but that's a lot of what my mission is now is you know encouraging others like my old self that need to know I did it the hard way. Um, everyone that doesn't you know accept some kind of help in any capacity is going to do it the hard way or they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's difficult. And, and so as, as I started through January, it was, it was fine because there wasn't a lot of pressure because there was other people that were doing this dry January thing too for a couple of weeks. So I committed mentally to doing this thing for the entire month. Mm-hmm. And, and when the people around me, some in-laws and some friends, like, oh, I made it a week. I did it. It's awesome. Oh, you're still doing it? Cool. And then two weeks would pass. And what do you mean you're still not drinking? Like, you did it. Like, like all right. And then by the time the end, end of January came around, like, I'm like, I'm not done. Like, I don't want to do this yet. And I was still very confused. I was still trying to, you know, to fix this on my own. And like, I, I was never brought up as, as someone that was, you know, I did well in school, but to read books on my own, especially self-help and, you know, listening to podcasts and, and all of that stuff. Like, I didn't even know how to get started, let alone what was going to help me. So sure. I, I work an hour, I've got an hour drive to and from work. And um, I basically got to a point, I was like, I and being, you know, I'm, so that was goal oriented. I'm thinking like, what can I do that's going to help me while I'm in this vehicle? Because I can't stand listening to the same songs all the time. So I thought like the podcast, like, audiobooks i'm gonna i'm gonna get started where do i even start so you know i wasn't really talking much to people about this this journey and me trying to figure this thing out so i was like you know what do i even do so i i I found my way to school of greatness Mm -hmm. and i found it not because it was what it is like it's it's huge more now than it was a couple years ago um but I, i found it because i think kobe bryant or there was you know, celebrity guests on there. And and I found that was the best in for me because while I don't know these people personally, these were people that I felt I could relate to because I at least knew what they were popular for. Mm-hmm. And to hear, you know, Kobe talk about his story or to hear, you know, Terry Crews or Matt McConaughey or a lot of these people that I knew from other places, it, it really caught my interest. And then to learn the kinds of things that people were dealing with and, and in the background, you know, all of these people that are on, you know, his show and other shows like that, you know, they're not there to promote their new movies. Like they're there to talk about, you know, their, their books, their, you know, extracurriculars, you know, where they come from. And I was finding myself very interested in getting a lot of the resources in that way that I could use to kind of help myself, if not to just give me a little bit more motivation. So I started to, uh, to learn more about habits. You know, I listened to an episode with James clear and, and uh, the author of atomic habits. And so I thought 21 days, 60 days, like dry February is the thing. Like I'm going to, I'm going to continue this not drinking into February you know, it's a short month. I can, I can do it and I'll get kind of past that 21 60 day mark at the end of it. So I continued through and I took a lot more like questions from my circles. Like, Uh what do you mean? You're still not drinking. It's February now. You did January. Like, what are you doing? And I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't quitting. I was, I was still under the mentality that I was just taking a break, just getting a refocus. So, you know, getting through 
through February a bit and learning that um, I learned about 100 days. 100 days is a, is a new lifestyle. So that became the new goal for me was this, this 100-day goal. And, you know, during that time, like, I was learning more and more about different lifestyle tactics and, and things that uh, I could do to help with this journey I was on. And and the habit thing really stuck with me. The um, You know, I wasn't really proud of my mental or my, uh, my mental health for sure, but my dental health. So uh, brushing my teeth twice a day, I thought I could do this. I'll mark it on the calendar. I'll check mark it in the morning. I'll check mark it at night. I'll do that for 100 days. I won't miss a single day. And then I'll turn it off. I'll, like, I'll stop checking it on the calendar and I'll see if the lifestyle stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and it did. Like I couldn't believe like I couldn't leave my head or wake up in the morning or go to bed at night without doing it. And, you know, I started doing that with, you know, many different things. I had like four different checkmark circles and notches on the calendar days, each for a different thing. And I didn't have any note on there at all saying what these marks meant because I didn't want anybody to see me doing it. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I didn't want the vulnerability, I wasn't ready for that vulnerability or to describe to somebody like, oh, this is because I, I don't brush my teeth very well. Like, like how, how good is that to talk about? So, you know, to do these things for a hundred days and test myself, so the hundred days became the new, the new goal. So in that time, um, one of my, best friends he was in my wedding well now he, covid loosened up enough he was allowed to get married he like his, their wedding was postponed so i was in his wedding and uh basically there was a lot more pressure there because i didn't know how long i wasn't going to drink for mm-hmm. but he had expected me to be a certain way at his wedding so he made sure I knew it too, because every function we went to leading up, it was, you know, getting fitted for the suit and bachelor party in Niagara Falls. And there was, um, you know, all these wedding functions that were very heavily, you know, it was expected to drink. There was alcohol at all of them. You know, you'd better drink at my wedding every single time. Oh, you're not drinking. Well, you better drink at my wedding or how's your water or, um, it was just every single time and it was in my head. It it gave me so much anxiety. It gave me so much pressure because I was trying so hard to be this better version of myself. And I'm getting all this outside pressure from others, but also from him who, you know, should, and he is now like we're still friends, but you know, there was definitely a really hard time there because there was an expectation. I was going to be drinking and we were going to be the way we used to be at his wedding by the end of September of that year. Mm-hmm. That's hard. I, you know, when you make that change, um, one, especially if you're like not, and most people early on in sobriety aren't living like out loud about it, right? They're kind of holding it close, just like you were, but you have to tell people and people have a certain version of you in their head, right? You yeah. were the person that drank you, you know, you would, go and you would be this life of the party and they expect that same version and the only way they get that version in their mind is if you're drinking right and that doesn't have to be true but it's what they think so you know you could be at that wedding not drink and still be a very fun person but in their head it they just can't make sense of it right it's like they don't know what you're going through they don't know you know, this person that you want to become and that you you can see in your mind. And at that point, you have quite a few days under your belt, right? I mean, at that point, you're looking at 
you know, September, what that's almost 200 days probably, or somewhere in that range. So you're well past your hundred day mark. So you've already kind of said like, this is, this feels good. Right? Yeah. So like once I got to the hundred days, you know, just to back up a little bit, it was, it was like, I made it to the hundred days. I had some, some things in place. Like I, I, I made myself some rules early on. I knew enough. And this is in my book. It, early on, I knew I needed a structure. I needed some things that like I could kind of use to carry me through. And, and my rules were pretty simple. They were, um, you know, have fun. My, like one of my rules was have fun. Like I didn't want to be someone that, you know, was just going to hide at home and hope it went away. So I challenged myself to, and COVID loosened up enough early on that, you know, it wasn't that I was stuck at home still. It was like, um, you know, I was able to go to these functions and I was able to, you know, not drink and, and really challenge and test myself. And so I, I was going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just going to be, you know, sitting in the corner with a bottle of water, judging everybody. Like I've seen people in the past do uh, at functions. So I, I was cognizant of that, you know, person that I didn't want to be. So another rule was uh, that I wasn't going to pretend. Um, I didn't want to go from the drinking habit and routine that I had to drinking the zero percent and the mocktails and whatever. So I didn't touch them at all for like nine or 10 months mm-hmm. um, of 2020, sorry, 2021. Um, it was important to me because I didn't know how I was going to handle, you know, the habit of not, of having this drink all the time, the way I was used to. And so I didn't want to pretend like, you know, I, I was just going to have this, this non-alcoholic and then, you know, by the time I'm ready to drink again, I still have my my game plan figured out. You know, and there's a couple other rules in there that that um, I had not to give everything away, but like there was a couple other rules in there that it was basically just about um, making sure that I was in the moment and true to myself and and just consistent. It was uh, I learned enough with what I was listening to and the material I was absorbing to to know that that was a good basic structure for me to get where I felt like I needed to be. So at a hundred days, you know, I had those in place and I had like a Yeti mug that was my, I call it my security blanket. Basically I could pour whatever I wanted in there and it wasn't that bottle of water. It wasn't that beer. It was whatever I wanted it to be. And I was still playing the game, you know, at at a campfire or out somewhere. I mean, I wouldn't bring it to like the restaurant, but you know, most environments, it was somebody's house and we're bringing a cooler of stuff. I pour whatever I want in there sparkling water and just sip on it. Like I was playing the game like everybody else. I learned that, you know, as, as that time went on, it was like, people are less worried about what we're drinking. Like we're more aware of it, especially in the beginning where like we're over, I was overthinking myself. Like, you know, they're going to, they're going to catch on. They're going to know I'm going to get all this, this like pressure, which I did, but you know, as time went on, I'm learning like they don't care. No, I don't think people really care. So a couple of things real quick. One, what's the name of your book? Just so that we get it in here. We'll get it in at the end again and, you know, it'll yeah. be in the show notes. But the name of your book is? So it's called Going Dry, okay. My Path to Overcoming Habitual Drinking. And we can get it on Amazon? Yep, it's available on Amazon. Perfect. Um, my my website is linked to Amazon, yeah. Sean, seanrobinson.ca. Um, it's, it's available at a lot of the bookstores. I know Barnes and Noble has it and Canada chapters Indigo. Um, I don't believe a lot of stores are stocking it. I mean, I'm not, 
you know, that I have self-published and so uh, paid to have it done. And, you know, it's, it's available at those places, but it's, uh, um, listen, I think it's awesome, right? I think putting ourselves out there is a huge part of, you know, how we can help people. I know for me, I got help through podcasts and books and, you know, without people willing to put their story out there, I'm not going to be a sober person. Right. And that's why I'm doing this. That's why you did what you did and, you know, Mm -hmm. and continue to do a couple of things I just wanted to touch on. One, your have fun thing I think is so huge. And I've brought it up on here before, but I know early in my recovery, um, some people in my recovery world would be like very against me having fun. Right. It was all about you have to really focus on recovery only no fun you know it's you know 90 and 90 it's it's all the old adages of aa that are stuck in this old timer mentality and i kept thinking why am i getting sober if i can't go have fun with my wife my kids like that's what i'm doing this for right to be there for people and to enjoy Mm -hmm. my life like i was miserable when i was drinking looking back and now oh, yeah. you're going to tell me I'm going to get sober and I'm still going to have to have some level of misery because you don't want me to have fun and go out. I had a, you know, a guy get very mad that I was having a pig roast at the house. You know, how could you wow. do that? You're going to drink, you know, or I would go help somebody DJ a wedding. Why can you do that? You're going to drink. You know, it was like it was everything that I would do would be met with this resistance from some of these old time recovery people. And I just it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And luckily I was able to sort of say, okay, well, I don't want that recovery. There's a different recovery I want. Cause like that mentality could turn people off completely. Like the the fact that you're saying have fun, is just such a huge thing. And it is something yeah. that I think is super important for everybody to know. Like you can be in recovery, you could not be drinking and you can still have a lot of fun. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the statement have fun doesn't have to be that you're going and, you know, doing things where there's alcohol around. It's just like, don't like for me, it was don't sit at home and sulk. It was fun could have been just going for that hike. You mentioned like middle of the day, there's no alcohol around in sight, but it was like, just make sure that I'm getting out and doing things to, to keep my mind off it, but also to, you know, test my boundaries. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really good, you know, just advice in general. And then the other tool, what was the other tool that you mentioned now that I'm thinking back? So there was have fun and then there was one other one, whatever the case, the have fun one is Mo- huge to me. Mocktails. Oh, the mocktails. Yeah. So I have a, like a weird relationship with that. I, early on, I was the same way. Like I was very against the idea of non-alcoholic beers, you know, and I think, you know, when I got sober 10 years ago, you were basically looking at like O'Doul's and maybe one other one, right? There wasn't a lot on the market 10 years ago. Um, Fast forward to 2023. And if you go to your local, you know, you know, either food store that sells beer or liquor store, you're going to see, I don't know, a dozen choices of non-alcoholic craft beers, you're going to see, you know, some sort of CBD seltzer. Um, and then I particularly like drinking hop water, which is just like hop tea. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it tastes anything like beer. For me, hop water is just like a different flavored seltzer. Yeah. Um, but they're predic- they're produced by breweries, right? Um, I actually make my own at home, so I don't 
I don't drink the commercially produced ones. And it literally is just water and hops. So like I know what I'm putting in there. Yeah. Um, my feeling on the NA beers, I don't know. I In the mocktails, I, listen, I go out to dinners with my family. Sometimes there's a drink on the menu that's listed under a mocktail that just sounds good, right? It's like raspberry puree and you know, whatever, ginger beer. And or, and you're like, oh, that sounds really delicious just as a drink. Yeah. It wasn't called a mocktail and it was just on the menu. You might drink it, right? So like, I think the terminology can get a little bit weird. Again, I think it's the intention of why you're drinking that drink, right? Like I drink hot yeah. water because I like drinking water and I like drinking flavored water. Um, and I, I like a bitter taste. So, you know, I, I like bitter flavors. I like strong flavors. It works. Um, the NA beer, I don't know. I can't do it. I just, I've tried. The flavor doesn't hit for me. Um, I, you know, I would love to be able to sp support like athletic brewing. I think what they're doing is very smart, giving yeah. people that option in a bar. Um, I just don't, the flavor doesn't hit for me. But like, give me a hop lark, hop tea. I, and I'm all about it. Or Lagunitas hop water, I'm all for yeah. it. But like for me, again, it's intention. Everything is intention. Like what is your intention of having that drink, right? Yeah, the, and that was um, like why I didn't want to get into them at all was was because I didn't know what my intention was or what it was going to lead to. You know, I, like there was a lot of not drinking that was like just figuring it out. And, you know, to have that right away, you know, was that just going to give me back that habit and, and routine that I was trying to get away from? So, and, and yeah, I agree. Like there's a lot of different options now, but there, there was definitely, so it was about like October, um, September, September was a wedding. So say it was like August, early September when we went to this bachelor party, Niagara Falls. And, you know, I, um, I went like part of my rules was to go and I, it was important to me to support this wedding and, and to not go to this party was going to be, you know, difficult in both cases. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was moments, you know, going, you know, everybody loaded up their coolers and packed them. And I was like, I need, I need something. And I had already brought it into my life a little bit to have uh, Heineken zero. They're, mm -hmm. they're not too bad. I've, tried, I've had them a little bit, but um, I would use those in an environment where I am, um, like going to the bars in Niagara Falls, a lot of the places carried one of these options. And it was, it was a crutch for me to play along, but to have something available at these places that like wasn't drinking pop all night, soda all night. It was, you know, something that was like, I was holding a bottle that was like the same as the one, the guy next to me. And like the first time, so I went on a bit of a trip to Niagara Falls with some construction guys and, um, it was definitely awkward because I ordered a virgin Caesar. Mm -hmm. So Caesar in Canada is the Clamato juice, right? But well, the virgin one doesn't have the vodka in it, but mm -hmm. basically I ordered this, this drink with, without anything in it. We had a table full of like five or six construction guys. They're all ordering the biggest, you know, coldest beers and drinks. And I'm like committed to my program and whatever I, I was doing and it didn't matter to me at that point like I, I had enough confidence in what I was doing I didn't care I didn't need the razzing and and on that one trip a buddy of mine was like you know you're gonna drink with us this weekend I'm like well no I'm not he's like oh but your wife's not here mm -hmm. like I don't I don't think you get it like <laughs> I'm not do I'm doing this for my wife and my kids but like this is important to me right so like the statement like 
your wife's not here didn't like it was like i don't think people understand i understood around me what like i was trying to do but um so on that trip to niagara falls for the bachelor party i i did use uh you know the, some of these zeros as a as a way to you know kind of fit in and play the game and and I, I definitely at that time didn't feel like i had to drink them all night like i was definitely you know pacing myself but it was it wasn't giving me any sort of urge to get back into it and and uh it ended up being a, a good night like the the eye rolls and you know the the attitudes that i saw from servers at different times but that trip especially just because they didn't know you know oh, okay you want to zero percent let me see i'll go check we might have one in the back of the fridge somewhere Mm -hmm. so um the 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 groom my my friend that was you know so hard on me with the better drink at my wedding you know i hadn't had a they hadn't served me at all yet the other 10 12 people that were there all had their drinks and he actually pointed out across the servers like hey like can we get can we get this guy a drink so you know it was it was almost a turning point where I, i saw the support that i wasn't getting um, from him and, and others, like another guy, buddy of mine come over before he ordered a round of shots. He was just like, you know, Hey, like, I just want to check. Are you like, what are you doing? Cause I'll like, I'll get you something else or not. And I was like, really appreciative. Like, no man, don't like, I, it was great that they asked and it was a, just the sign of support that I was, you know, missing from the people that were my friends and still are my friends. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it took being in that room at that moment to, to get that from them. Whereas I wouldn't have got that if I didn't go on that trip where I, I stayed hidden at home. And, you know, I, it, it, it was pretty much a turning point with that group that told me like, you know, they get it now. Like you said earlier, the people around us don't know what we're working on. They don't know how to handle us because, you know, we weren't this person before, but like I wasn't this person before, so I don't know how to help you handle me. Right. Right. You're still figuring out who the new you is, right? And yeah. you, and you kind of continue to do that forever, actually, um, you know, as you because once you start to change, um, I think you kind of continue to change throughout. Right. I think once you yeah. once you realize like, oh, I can actually change things in my life and you start down that path, you kind of continue on that way for a while and hopefully forever i i hope that i continue to grow and change and and modify who i am for the rest of my life but you know once you get one big one in um especially especially like older in life i think like i think you mentioned this was like in your mid-30s that's when i made my change and ever since then i'm like oh i can try new things and um and that is cool and you know but you don't know what you can do till you do it. And, you know, for you in that early part, it's like, you're just figuring out like, okay, I'm not drinking. And your friends are watching this evolution happen in real time. And it's hard. It's hard. They like, they lost somebody too. Right. So like they're kind of grieving the loss of their friend in their head. Right. But you're still there and you're kind of grieving the loss of who you were, but you're still in your life. And, it's just a very weird thing that happens and some people can deal with it and some people, some people can't like the friends that yeah. can't, they just kind of fall off. They do. <clears throat> they, they definitely do. And it's unfortunate because you, you really want that to work, but you start to learn that um, those people were in your life for that reason, right? You take that away and you lose what you used to do together and what you used to talk about together. And, and not that you're, you know, 
getting rid of these people, but you grow apart and that's yeah. just, just what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. But, it's hard for everybody, but I think it's the best version. So, you know, I just wanted to ask. So when you started this journey, you, you were three, 320 pounds. Yeah. You, and in that part in September, where were you at then? Because you did this for a couple of reasons. You, you said, okay, it's physical. And then as it's going through, you're realizing, okay, now it's mental. And, and you know, yeah. then both are kind of converging. So at that wedding, at that point, had you seen a huge change in your physical health? I, I definitely did. Um, there was, there was a lot that I, that I realized about myself and, and physically I had already lost I think by the wedding, 50 or 60 pounds, uh-huh. um, probably 50 pounds by, by the, the wedding. And like, I was feeling great. Like my young kids, my daughter was born, um, September, 2020. And I started this basically by Christmas, January. So she was only a couple months old and like young kids up in the night trying to help. Like there was, there was a lot of times, like I was waking up and I was miserable. I was, I was impatient, you know, nobody could, could, the kids couldn't like I'd help, but uh, I was ugly about it. And, you know, by the time, you know, I got through portion of this year, like I wasn't this way anymore. I had a lot more patience. I was more um, present with, with them, with my family. Like my wife and I were a lot better because I wasn't doing this at functions where I would just, you know, ignore her and trail off and then be blackout and, um, you know, not abusive in that way, but definitely mentally because of the, the environment I was bringing with me. So, you know, by the time this wedding had happened and probably a little bit earlier, like I was feeling awesome. Uh-huh. I, I, I loved how I wasn't hung over on the weekends and, you know, could, could plan my days without knowing that there had to be this recovery time in there or, or like I never let it affect my work. I was fortunate that way, but you know, the habit and uh, routine portion of my, what was my drinking was like nights and weekends. And you know, I, I felt much better as uh, that year went on. And, and it was, it was almost another reason for me to keep going. Yeah. And did you add anything else? Like, so now time goes on, right? The wedding passes, you're, you're kind of continuing on this path. Um, how did you maintain it? Was it just because it was habitual at this point to not do it? Or were you doing anything well, else above and beyond it to like maintain this lifestyle? So what um, what had happened was, you know, I got through the hundred days and I kind of got to a point. I was like, well, now what? Because each each point I had a level. You know, it was January, then it was February, then it was a hundred days, and then I got to the hundred day point, and I was like, what next? Like, I'm not ready to stop this yet. I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm thought like, I'm already about a third of the way through this year. You know, I'm thinking at that time, because this was still a break to me at that point, I'm thinking never in my life is this going to happen again. Never in my life am I going to be this close to possibly going an entire year without Mm -hmm. alcohol. Um, So I challenged myself at that moment was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get through the entirety of this year, which is only, you know, two, two more thirds of the year. Um not drinking any alcohol 2021 and so with that goal in mind and that brought all these other challenges the wedding and how i was going to handle that and these different functions and then you know new year's eve the same friend of mine that that at the wedding like we got to a new year's eve party and he was like 
oh, like they were handing around a bottle uh, to take shots from. And I was like, no, no. He's like, oh, right. It's not 2022 yet. Like it's not New Year's yet. Like just digs all year long. Mm -hmm. And my commitment to it was bigger than that. So what what happened was, so about nine, 10 months, this was after the wedding. And a friend of mine was like, you know, hey, how's how's everything going? It was a genuine question. Uh, After he ordered his double tequila, something or other at the restaurant, it was like, you know, how's everything going? And uh, and I was like, oh, I could write a book. And, And it was just a statement that it was like, I'd been through so much this year that I could write this book. And I'm thinking like, I've kept this journal this whole time mm-hmm. about everything that I've ran into, all of these things we're talking about. And I really have already written this book and, and was carrying it on. So like at that moment, I was like thinking about when I got started and, and was not from a place of listening to podcasts and reading these books. Like I wasn't looking for that professional expert educated opinion I, I i didn't want that in my life at all i wanted a real example i wanted like i said i was listening to the people that i thought i knew from actors and stuff talking about their histories and and i wanted a version that i could relate to and not that there isn't a lot of content out there but i wasn't finding it in the places i was looking for it and that was because i wasn't i didn't feel like i was the kind of person to be able to use the programs and services that are available. And that's like why I want to push people to do what they need to do and use that's available because it's like I said earlier, it's so much harder the way I did it, but you know, not doing that, it became, uh, it became important that I use my experience to basically like Ed Milet said it a few times on his show, um, you're the most qualified to help your former self. And I heard him say that at a point where I was coming up with, with the decision to put myself out there to, to do this for where I was at in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, the looking for how to get started, um, helping me get to a point where, where I could open up and change who I thought I was as a person to um, let these things in my life that were going to help me, you know, the, the influences from the podcasts and even talking to people about it. So getting to the, the, the later part of that year that was 2021, it became like almost more therapy for me because I had to finish this year, not only for me, but because I was going to give back to old me. Mm-hmm. I was going to give back to, I was going to look into getting this book that was my journal published and, and out there so that other people where I was from, not, you know, geographically, but mentally knew, you know, there was at least this other viewpoint of where I was at. Right. It becomes another tool, right? Um, If that tool was available when you started, maybe you would have been able to use, you know, your tool. So now your tool is out there in the world to help, you know, guys who maybe don't know where to go because they feel so, you know, unique and they're in this, you know, masculine place and, you know, it's their world and they have something to relate to. I think it's important, right? There's all sorts of different tools out there. I mean, you know, there's, you know, Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind. There's the Laura McCowan book. There's, you know, all sorts of books out there. Um, I think there needs to be a little bit more written for, you know, men. Uh, You know, I think men are very hard. Um, You know, we have a 
Yeah, it's always kind of just been like go to AA, you know, and it, 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 even that room is a little rough. I was talking to somebody about it tonight. Like it's it's not it's not for everybody. And up until recently, it probably wasn't for women. Um, it just had kind of had a very masculine vibe in there, too. Um, yeah. Again, I you know I started out my recovery there, so I, I I'm not going to speak poorly about it. Um, I have my thoughts on it, um, but it is a program that helps certain people. And but you know there's more and more coming out. I think in time, and the more that we open up, the more opportunities there are for the next person to get help. You know, like yeah. your your story will help somebody who maybe would have been hesitant, right? It might help the guy who's right now out there framing a house, you know, and thinking the only way to, you know, calm down at night is to drink beer. That's not the only yeah. way, right? <clears throat> and he might read your story and say, oh, here's here's somebody I can relate to. Yeah. And I think and that's that, important. That was what I was thinking is like, because like, I, I mean, I, I looked enough because I had all this time while I was driving to listen to this stuff. Like I looked for this for that reason. I wanted something that spoke to the kind of close, right? We can't relate to everything we hear and listen to and read. And, but like I wanted something close and I just wasn't finding it there. And um, back to, to AA, um, I know that's done amazing things for people. And, and it was definitely something that, that I thought about doing. But um, and I've got a video on YouTube about this. Uh, I don't come from like my family was never religious. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the program, as far as I knew, was, you know, very much based on a lot of the beliefs that I didn't grow up being a part of. It was a lot of pressure and a lot of, you know, de uh, deterrent for me to get involved that way, because it, it just the fact where my mindset was at, it wasn't for me automatically because I didn't go to church growing up. And yeah. it it's, it's not fair for me to think that, but I'm like, what else do I know? Right. I was too proud to ask. Yeah. It is the perception though out there, you know, I mean, I think if you just say it right, it's like church basement, you know, AA and church basement go together and, you know, God, even though it is higher power, you know, I think it's there's just a lot of preconceived notions out there. And I myself struggled with that, too, early on. Like I had a couple misstarts. And then at some point, again, I was like, I just have to do it. And I really did not buy into the higher power thing at the start. It was like, this yeah. isn't this isn't for me, you know, and it was almost like adversarial in my head that idea of, of higher power and how can I reconcile this? I'm not religious. And it was very hard and it mm -hmm. is a challenge. And I understand where you were coming from um, and dealing with people who I try to help navigate towards different, you know, modalities of recovery. It's something that comes up a lot. Um, so I can push them in other directions now, right? There are other yeah. options out there. There's smart, there's noble step, there's refuge recovery. There's, yeah. you know, this naked mind is a program, you know, there's other programs out there that people can kind of latch onto. Um, you know, it's not just one, one way yeah. anymore. And I think that that's important. Um, but again, just knowing what's out there becomes hard. You know, where yeah. do you start when you're in that place and you're drinking all the time and your life is falling apart and you're trying to find stuff, you're not really doing a great job. It's like, no. you know, you, like it's hard. It is hard. And, and like anything, 
you know, good and bad, we think about being great right off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. We think about, you know, you're going to quit cold turkey and you're, it's going to work this time. You think about, you know, you're going to go run that marathon just off the couch because, you know, we want to go zero to 100%. But we don't give ourselves the chance to take those baby steps and work through, you know, the habit and routine portion of changing a lifestyle. Like, we just, we get so you know the seeing somebody that's that's been 10 years sober and and you like it's a lot of pressure because you're just two weeks or 10 days or you know 100 days and it's like you know there's so much further than me how do i get that far and you start to you know have a lot of mental anxieties and pressures like there's there's a lot trying to to think and and compete with others but you know this has to be our own race like this is this is something that like is our own program right we, we yeah. have to take it one day at a time and all the things that that work we have to do it that way and not compare ourselves to someone else and so many of us drank or used drugs for so long too right we forget that part so yeah. you know if you start when you're in your teens and you're drinking till you're 35 you're you know you spent 18 years drinking and and using drugs and using substances to calm yourself and you think in 30 days you're going to figure out how to live this other way is a little silly, but that's kind of where we're at always as people. You know, yeah. I'm 10 years in and I, I'm still figuring out stuff, right? Like I'm still, so my recovery kind of shifts throughout time and things that worked, you know, four years ago don't work today. And what works today probably isn't going to work three years from now. Like I kind of got to always modify how I'm living to kind of stay on this, this uh, path. And, you know, all your checklist tools were were really good, right? That idea of a checklist. I do Mm -hmm. that from time to time where I'll say for like a couple months, like I'll write down ideas like of the five things I want to do every day and see if I do these five things, do I feel better? Like, and those things might change week to week until I get to like an optimal place, right? So it might be like, I have to spend time with my family for a certain amount. I have to read, I have to work out, I have to eat no sugar. But then maybe the next week I'll like, you know, change the reading to something else. And, you know, I'll kind of judge how I felt the next day based on what I did. And for me, that's a tool that I've used over time. Um, But again, like that's just taking, uh, that comes out of like, experience and and time like that isn't something somebody who's got a week of recovery is going to one figure out or two be able to do like at that point you're you're hanging on and you're just trying not to drink and that's okay you know and that you know if that's all you can do that's awesome you know and and that's that's the most i think one of the most important things we've got to realize is that you know, you're going to have days that aren't as good as the next day, right? And and if you just get up in the morning and get out the door and, you know, you just you survive, that's just as good as being the most productive, right? You've right. done, you're still here, you've you've kept on your program, however you've got it worked out that works for you. And, and you know, you're, you're maintaining like the, the good days, the bad days are still, you know, part of the journey. Of course. Yeah, I mean... I still have crappy days. I've had crappy weeks. I've had a crappy month or a crappy, you know, like it happens that, yeah. you know, and it's not that, you know, nothing is really going to change it all that much. I think the idea though, is that it's, we don't get it. We don't make it worse. 
right? Like yeah. that, you know, it's like, that's as bad as it can get. I'm not going to make it any worse, you know? And, and I think that that's the big change. You know, the old version of me would have a bad day and go like, okay, I'm going to drink and it's going to get worse. And, you know, but we try not to do that anymore. Um, we try yeah. to make it better. And, and what tool do I have to, you know, shift this day around or shift this week around? Um, and sometimes there's just nothing. Sometimes it's just, you know, go to bed and, you know, and that's all yeah. I can do and that's okay. Um, but I just don't, I don't drink. And that for me has worked for the time that I've been sober. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I'll tell people like, just, just don't drink today, you know? Yeah. And I know that sounds simple and it sounds hard to some people, but <clears throat> it's worked for me. It, yeah. And it's, it's just part of, um, replacing drinking with something else, right? Like, one of the, the quotes from James Clear that I heard on a podcast um, that he talked about habits was um, he actually he stopped uh, setting goals for himself. He, he didn't think setting goals was was working for him. So what he started to do was asking himself better questions. So he said, like, if you're talking about drinking, if you're not uh, someone that drinks, then instead of setting this goal that might be out of reach, start asking yourself questions in the moment like, well, would someone that doesn't drink do this? Right. Or if I'm a person that doesn't drink, what would I do in this environment or when this happens? Or you can apply that to anything. You know, Would a person that runs marathons eat a box of cookies right now? Like it's you start to you know question small moments in your life that that kind of get you thinking in a different direction that that is a bit more productive and that's definitely something that i've used yeah a couple questions before i know you know we're we're running on time and i don't want to keep you all night but i did want to ask you know one thing have you found your relationships at home much stronger like with your wife and your kids through this journey like you know i saw i've seen some pictures of you all together at like book events and you know, it looks like you guys are a strong family unit. Is that like a, something that's come out of this? Um, this is definitely something that I wanted to put in. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say trauma one way or another, but there was definitely moments when I was a kid that with that drinking environment, um, I was subject to, you know, some mental abuse. Um, you know, my dad, some yelling and attitude and different environments one time there was a table flipped over and it went across the room through a fish tank and there was a lot of like mental anxiety my brothers and I had and we were walking on eggshells a lot of the time there was the morning after an event you know we and Ed talks about this Ed Milet talks about this in his book and his relationship with his dad and how like he became a fortune teller he became a mind reader because he read the room and knew like how to handle the situation by the, how the keys went in the door. Like there was a lot of that, that I related to. We had the, the coffee pot on, like as soon as we heard any kind of like rustle and it wasn't like they slept all day. This was still in the morning, but mm -hmm. you know, as soon as, you know, kids wake up at six o'clock or whatever, by seven, eight, it was like, we heard a noise. The coffee was on. We, we knew to push the button. We knew to get something rolling because it was going to make the morning a lot easier we knew to, to do some cleanup quietly because that was going to make that moment in the morning a lot easier for us to, to be a part of. So 
my relationships with my family. Like I, when I started to get, you know, get away from drinking, I was noticing a pattern with my environment that I was creating from my drinking and my patience and impatience and the way that I was with my kids because of the example set for me. And it was probably one of the biggest motivators to answer an earlier question too, about carrying on and keeping this thing moving because it was a lot better. Like we've always been the types to sit around the table at dinner, but like, because I was open to listening to this, these books and, and things like I was noticing with my middle child, you know, he's got a lot of anxieties too. And, and I was seeing a lot of negativity and, you know, I listened to uh, John Gordon, the energy bus and, and I actually bought the kids version of that for him. And, and we started this thing at dinner where we, you know, would go around the table and just, we would talk about our favorite thing of the day. And, it was difficult at first because nobody wanted to play, but I was persistent. And like, this is something we do every day now. Uh And, and that middle child with the anxiety, I mean, he still has some anxieties, but like, he's the biggest advocate for this now. Like we'll have, you know, all of our family over, there'll be 20, 30 people. And it will, he will make sure we do still do favorite things at dinner and every single person around will participate and like my wife she you know she's a manager in her job and she's actually done this at a few meetings where she's had her team at the end of a meeting she's like all right everybody like i want everybody to talk about their favorite thing that happened today it doesn't have to be anything big just you know something that made you smile or like a a cool moment or like so this is you know one example of the kind of things that that we're doing at home now that really strengthen and, and give me reassurance that I don't want to go back to that life I had before. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even, I've never read that book, so I can't speak to it, but I do a similar thing with my younger son when he goes to bed and we've been doing it for a couple of years now. He's, he's 11 now, but we'll do a check-in at the end of the day and do a physical and mental, we rate the day. How are you, how are you feeling physically? How are you feeling mentally on a scale of one to 10? And then we talk about your favorite thing that happened, but also a hard thing that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. because like, again, I don't want to just think like the world, I don't, the world isn't always easy. Right. So like we do talk about things that maybe went poorly. Right. And and then, you know, if it's really bad, how can we maybe not have that happen again? How can we change it? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, Mm -hmm. it's been good, you know, and he's a pretty open kid. Um, I, I want to say that he started it. I don't even remember, but at this point, it's just it's just part of our thing. And sometimes yeah, we'll great. he'll he'll bring it up at dinner sometimes, but um, mostly it's just me and him that go through that exercise. No, that that's great. It's um, it's definitely something that we've evolved to where we've added. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's the thing that didn't make me so happy today, right? Yeah. We've we've definitely added both, and you know, it's become so much fun because my daughter, who's getting it a little bit more now, she's two and a half, but like she would say the exact same thing every single day. And she would just copy something that the boys said, the other two are boys. So she would just, it would just be, you know, the cutest moment because she's trying. But uh, so energy bus, there's two copies, right? There's one for kids and there's one for adults in business Hmm. and the adult version, just to quickly give context to where this came from. um, They, they talk about, golf right and the greatest golf shot you know you could play a game of golf and it's completely miserable but you'll always remember that one shot right and that's that shot that keeps you coming back and that's the context for this you know favorite thing it's it's that moment that you know in the day that keeps you coming back Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good one i like that 
So it definitely sounds like, you know, this change in lifestyle has brought you all closer, which I think is awesome. Um, so right now your physical health's in check, you got your family health in check, you have a book, you are feeling good with the change that you made, you're living life. And that is kind of what you wanted to come out of this, you know, by making all these changes. Um, are you still working in the, uh, you know, building trades? Uh, yes, I'm actually a electrical project manager now. Okay. Um, so moved up a bit and, you know, busy with that and have people on my team that, uh, you know, I see a lot of patterns in myself. So I think I'm, I'm definitely giving some, you know, I can't mix the two because I'm trying to keep the, the life separate, but there's definitely, they know about it. Mm-hmm. We talk about it. So I think I'm seeing some, and actually there's been a lot of construction people for, that I don't work with right now that I used to, that, you know, give me the push to keep going and, you know, tell me you, you don't know like who you're helping right now. And, um, you know, there's definitely been a lot of that, uh, in that sector too, that, uh, that I've picked up on, yeah. but, uh, yeah, extension, I, like I've, I've lost a hundred pounds. Like I've maintained the, the f- awesome. physical and the dieting lifestyle and, you know, knocked a hundred pounds and, um, just continuously listening and reading as much as I can to, to get further ahead. And, and one thing I realized with a lot of this content, not everybody has the time, you know, I'm still driving that hour to work and, not like I, I'd come home and talk to my wife and be like, Oh, you've got to, you've got to listen to this book. You got oh, this podcast. You got to hear what he said, Corey. Like he, he hits the nail yeah. on the head and you're like, and then she's like would humor it a bit, but does not have that kind of time. Right. She's looking after the kids yeah. and doing these things and, and we'll try, but people aren't going to pick up the lifestyle at the same time we are. Right. So I'm like thinking, how can I, take what I'm absorbing and learning and put it in a way that it's, it's, you know, a couple minutes instead of, uh, you know, an hour or a couple hours or, you know, some audiobooks are quite long. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've started my own YouTube channel and pick a topic a week. I've got an email newsletter and I'm just trying to take this content through like what I'm learning on my own and, you know, some of what's already out there and, and putting it back in a format that, you know, people can pick up on. And I know there's a lot of this out there, but it's it's from like my angle with the yeah. construction and the masculinity and you know all the things that uh, are in my book, and it's like just putting it out there in smaller pieces that that person and most people that don't have the time can at least get that bit of a message. No, listen, it's important. You never know what, how somebody's going to find you. You know what Instagram account they're going to stumble on, what YouTube channel. I think the more that's out there, the better, you know, in this, in this arena, I don't think it's a, you know, I am, um, I'm always cautious of people who feel who it, where it feels like it's too much of a profit grab, (laughs) like that, you know what I mean? So like this, this for me, isn't this for me is literally just like the next evolution of my recovery. Like I, this for me became that, right? Like, okay, what was I going to do next? And it was like, this was it. Um, so for me, this is just literally getting people on here to talk, you know, for as long as they want about recovery or whatever it is, mental health. Yeah. I, you know, I don't even, I don't really even have a prescribed format, uh, in that regard. Um, but I think the more content that is out there talking about recovery, mental health, you know, anything like this, the better, yeah. you know, and if it's TikTok, Instagram, uh, YouTube podcasts, books go, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, you know, I understand that people have to make money. 
I, but again, I do get very cautious around certain things where I see, you know, well, maybe that's a different episode. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> I, I got my full-time job. This, yeah. uh, this is definitely me trying to get the message out there that I couldn't find. And while like I, I it, this book cost me money, right? Yeah. This book yeah. cost me money to make. I'm not in the green with it by any means at this point. And I'm not worried about that. Like I didn't decide to put myself out there and be vulnerable and share this much of my life because I wanted to invite people in. Like that was never the person I was. This yeah. was, this was a way to put it out there. So someone like, where I was at might pick it up and find that enough motivation to get going or to not be in that old mindset that this is just who I am or, you know, to, you know, be in front of the construction guys and feel like you have to, to drink every weekend. Like you don't have to do things you don't want to do. And you just need, sometimes you just need a reference point behind you to say like, Oh, this guy did it. I can do it. Or this person did it. I can do it. Yep. That's so exactly. I'm just trying to, to be an example. And, and honestly, it's therapy for me too. Like this is, this you know, to continue with this content and, and just having this conversation, the, these things are all therapy for me to continue working on myself and where I'm going. So as much as I'm putting this out there for someone else and hoping I can bring them along, this, this keeps me in my lane. Sure. Yeah. And it's you helping the next person, which is always huge, right? It's like, if you can help one other person, you've done you know, a world of good. So that's how I look at it. You know, hopefully I can help more than one, but if I've helped one, great. And that's, yep. you know, um, that's my goal here too. So um, before we go, a couple of things. One, uh, you want to give everybody your book and your social and, and your website again? Yep. Uh, so my book is Going Dry, My Path to Overcoming Habitual Drinking. It's um it's not audible yet, but it's uh paperback and hardcover available on Amazon and most bookstores. Um, my website, seanrobinson.ca, S-E-A-N-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N.ca. Um, I've got uh, putting all my media, every podcast I've been on, it's uh, just got to update it, but I'm putting all my content in a media page there to make it easy. Mm-hmm. I've got um, a YouTube channel. Um it's uh going dry you'll find it all my videos i'm putting on there they're about you know two to four minutes each each on a topic and it, it all relates to you know my, this content and and where i'm at and it was a lot for me to decide to do that so a lot of my drive now is just doing things that that are uncomfortable for you know my personal growth like uh, this weekend I'm running in a 5k and I've never done that in my life. Nice. And it's just because I've never done it that I decided I'm going to do it. So it awesome. doesn't sound like a lot at being 5k, but it's huge for me. So like, um, sorry, my socials. Um, I'm also Instagram yep. at going dry and uh, Facebook going dry. Sweet. I'll make sure to link all that in the show notes. So if anybody didn't catch any of it, just go to the show notes. Everything will be there. Um, the last thing I like to ask people is, you know, besides your book, um, or anything like that, what are you taking in media wise show, movie, book, music, anything really up in your uh, mind right now? Um, right now I'm taking in basically as much, um, as much of this as I can get. And, and, and I'm trying to be diverse with it. It's, it's financials, it's health, it's lifestyle, it's family. It's, I'm trying to be more well-rounded in the content I'm taking in. And, and while 
I, I like um, listening to, you know, um, Ed Milet, uh show and Lewis Howes. And, you know, I also like Doctor's Pharmacy with Mark Hyman and um, the um, Sean Stevens and uh, his show. I can't, I can't remember. There's tons of episodes, but I've read both uh, his books and just uh, just trying to stay in this lane. I, I I listen to the music now and then when I need, you know, a, a decompress. But um, basically, um, as much of this stuff as uh, as I can get. All right. Well, I am going to give my couple for the week. It's hard because I, I give them in every episode. So, um, but uh, this past week I started watching the original Friday Night Lights, the TV show about uh, Texas football, and. Uh, really good i had to stop watching it actually and i'm gonna bring my wife into it because it definitely hit like oh this is a good show um you know interesting camera work i could tell the writing's on point so we are going to you know digest that one together but from what i saw in the first six episodes it's worth worth a watch um podcast i'm gonna go with breaking points um it's a news podcast uh really focuses on more american news so i'm sorry sean i mean they do get international but it is very american you know united states skewed um but i like it because they kind of have conservative and a liberal and they kind of come at stories from both sides and you kind of get to like a middle ground it's been a tricky thing for me to find that kind of news um and the news can be very hard to watch um, I know some people in recovery have a hard time with it or some people will get really like sucked one way or the other and with social media, it's very hard. So I like breaking points cause it's gives me sort of the facts mm-hmm. and then maybe a little bit of opinion one way or the other, but I can, you know, it's, it's factual. So I like, I like that. And then, um, the only other thing I was thinking music wise, I am going to throw out Noah Khan, um, singer songwriter from new england really been liking him lately and we're going to be going to see him in june as a family so that's exciting yeah so we do like our live music and um you know kind of try to bring our kids into it as well so it's awesome good but sean i really appreciate you being on tonight (laughs) your story's great um you know just you know your understanding of you know what how you went about this is so interesting and you know even though you didn't do a formal program you like created what is basically a program for yourself and now you're putting it out to the world so i think that's that's really awesome and um i hope people check you out so it's been good though thank you very much i appreciate it Uh, yeah it's definitely been a bit of a journey. And like I said, harder because I, I wasn't open to the things I should have been, but um, it, it worked out. And, and I just hope to be able to transfer that in any way to someone else that, that could use it. Great. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And again, if you can subscribe, like do all the podcast things that are, I guess, making this better. I don't know all that stuff, but thank you again. And we'll see you next week.